Last week we talked about atmosphere. Tonight I want to talk to you briefly about expectation. Expectation is important. Atmosphere is important, but expectation is important. You're going to get what you expect to get. You're going to have what you expect to have. You're going to do what you expect to do. There's something about a faith expectation. You've got to believe for more if you're going to have more. You've got to be willing to not only believe but take steps towards the upward call that is Christ Jesus that Paul talks about in Philippians. You know, I'm one of those faith Christians that believe, yeah, you better speak faith if you're in the middle of the river, but you also better row the boat. You know, um, yeah, I believe in faith, and yes, I believe in miracles, but I also believe in intellect and having a brain. Somebody say amen. And uh, God's so much bigger than we are, and we put him in our own box, whether it's a spirit-filled box or an evangelical box. We try to box God in, and I'm telling you, he won't be boxed in. He's so much bigger than all of our issues. Paul would say that he is preeminent, which means he is above all. So he is above every problem that you have. Every stronghold you brought in here tonight, he is above it. Every opinion that I have or that you have, he's above that. Every doubt, he is above that. Every demon, he is above that. Every Supreme Court ruling, he's above that. Every president, every king, every dictator, every leader, he's above them all. He's Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the atmosphere must be governed by the king, but the expectation has to do with the faith that's inside of you. It has to do with what's in your mind and what comes out of your mouth. You have to have faith. You have to have expectation. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. We're going to walk you through the first 13 verses of Romans chapter 15 tonight. May the God of hope, everybody say hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. Somebody say, I'm, I want to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, anoint this word tonight. Lord, teach us to be sons and daughters of expectation. Lord, teach us to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Lord, teach us to be a family. Teach us to pray together. Teach us to believe together. Teach us to tolerate one another. Teach us to love one another. Lord, show us things in your word tonight. Lord, that have been missing from our minds, from our hearts. Lord, reveal things to us. Father God, we have an expectation for fresh oil and new wine. Lord, we have an expectation. But Father God, we know that you're going to do exceedingly above all we could ever ask or think. Lord, that you're going to do more than we think. So Lord, may each person in this room not see themselves, Lord, as a victim in chains to be delivered, but Lord, to see themselves as a victor called according to your purpose. And Lord, I pray that they would see this conference as not an avenue to receive something for themselves, but Father, as an avenue to serve someone else. And Father, as they serve others, they're going to receive your ultimate blessing. And so, Father God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, what you're already doing. Lord, protect our speakers, worship leaders, the guests that will be traveling in. Lord, station your angels around their vehicles. Lord, be with them. Lord, so that they'll know where they are and what they're called to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church. And in Romans 14, he's been dealing with something that we're still dealing with in church today. It's called legalism. 
okay? Everybody say legalism. Now, I could preach this by itself, but I'm not going to. But I'll tell you, what legalism is, it's putting your list of rules above a holy God. It's putting your denomination or your way of thinking or your routine above a holy God. It's placing your rules, your preference, the way you flow above the way God flows. And God's not in a list of rules. He's in a relationship. And so what Paul's dealing with is he's dealing with Gentile Christians and he's dealing with devout Jews, some of which are saved. And so in Romans 14, there are a few issues at hand. The first one is when do we worship God? Do we observe the Sabbath, the festivals, the things of Judaism? The other thing is drinking wine. That's still an issue today in our churches and things people argue about. Uh, the Gentile Christians drank wine and they ate meat, and the Jews did not in that season. And so they were offended at the Gentile Christians because they didn't observe their feast. They drank wine and they ate meat. And so Paul gets in between the Jewish people, the Gentile Christians, and he says, to paraphrase, you are both wrong. He says... If what you do offends someone, don't do it in front of them because if you do, you become a stumbling block. You get between them and God. So if it offends your brother, even if it's not a sin, don't do it. And that's what he says. And then he looks to the Jewish believers who were looking down on the Gentile Christians and he says, you're, you're so wrong because you're looking at your relationship with God. You're looking at it in a ritualistic, religious way. And he's saying, I want you to look at it from a place of freedom. See, the Gentiles have freedom, but you don't view them as free because you view them as sinful. We're still dealing with this today. It's so much easier to push somebody away that speaks differently or acts differently than you and, and criticize them or categorize them because you don't understand what they said or the way they flow. And what the Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart. And he says, if in your heart it's a sin, it's a sin. That's what he says in Romans 14. He says, so let me, let me, let me put that in plain English for you. Um, if you're convicted, if God has convicted you about your weight, and the Lord has said, hey, man, you're overweight. You need to stop eating fast food. And you've, 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 been, you've just been shaken by the Holy Spirit. You've been convicted about your diet. If you get up the next morning after feeling that and hearing that from God and you go through McDonald's and you get, you know, two double bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits, you get hash browns and you get the hotcakes and you dump syrup all over them, you've sinned. But... If Roger is in his prayer life, it's his birthday, by the way. Y'all give him a kiss before he leaves here tonight. Um, I won't say his middle name because I'm sweet, Pastor. And, um, but uh, if Roger's doing his prayer time, his private time, the night before, and God says, Roger, you need to work on your anger. And Roger says, okay, Father, I, I, I repent of, of the times I've lost my temper. Give me shalom. Give me peace. Help me get control of my temper. I submit my heart my life to you, Holy Spirit. And Roger gets up the next morning and goes to McDonald's and orders all that stuff. It's not a sin. 
it's not a sin for him. He's not convicted of it. And that's what Paul says in Romans 14. He says, you know what? For, for one it's a sin and for another it's not. Now there are certain things that are concrete in the word that, is, that are sins that there's no debate on. But there are a lot of things that God's going to deal with you about on an individual basis. And here's where we mess up. We try to be the spiritual police of everybody. When we have far too much stuff going on within ourselves to be policing everybody. If you need help pointing out your faults, just come set an appointment with me. I have a gift in pointing out faults in religious people. When you're raised in ministry, you learn how to do that real quick as a, as a defense mechanism. So I'm pretty good at it when I need to be. But that's all under the blood now. But uh, I have the ability to bring that out when I need to. But what I'm saying is, Paul is dealing with this, and so then he moves from dealing with this legalism and this debate over festivals, special days, wine, and eating meat into our text. And this has to do with the church, and this has to do with atmosphere first, and then we get into expectation. And here's what he says, and this is to the church. Everybody raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm the church. He says, we who are strong, that means we who are saved, who know Jesus Christ, who understand what we believe in, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So Paul's saying this, he's saying, you know what, instead of debating over wine and, and meat and, and special days and all these religious things, why don't we turn the focus from our own selves and our own needs to the needs of others? Because isn't that what Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself? He said to serve your neighbor. That's what he called us to do. That's his greatest commitment is to love other people. So Paul says, listen, I'm going to straighten this out. I corrected you. I rebuked you in Romans 14. So now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shift your focus and we're going to shift the atmosphere. We're going to describe what the right atmosphere is supposed to look like. And he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This needs to be an atmosphere of consideration. An atmosphere of consideration. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So we need an atmosphere of consideration where we put the needs of others above our own. If you've been a Christian more than three years, you need to get out of your feelings. You have to shift from your feelings to the needs of others. If you've been a Christian more than three years and it's still about you, 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 then you need to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Because at some point you have to grow into a place of maturity where you start thinking about the lost who don't know Jesus Christ. You start thinking about those in prison. You start thinking about those who are hungry. You start thinking about those who have needs greater than yours. The mark of a mature Christian is not the one who, call, who calls attention to themselves. It's the one who brings attention to the hurting. If you want to find a mature Christian, it's one who's doing for others, not one who's asking for all the attention. It's okay if you go through a season where you need all the attention. You need bandaging. You need comfort. You need courage. You're a new Christian. You just went through a divorce. You just lost a job. You were mistreated by church. So right now the church has to love on you and build you back up. And you need the attention just like a toddler. And that's okay. Amen? 
That's why we're here. We're here to build you up and love you. But if you've been walking with God for longer than a few years and you've been on fire for the Lord and it's still about you, you have to shift and you have to be in an atmosphere of consideration where you put the needs of others above your own. Atmosphere of consideration. How do we have that? Give people the benefit of the doubt. The enemy wants desperately to offend you in church. Did you know that? We have demonic spirits. The enemy wants to offend you. He wants to get you offended because if he gets you offended, he gets you disconnected from the body. And you're of no use to the kingdom when you're disconnected from the body. So what does he do? He tries to get you offended. So you have to put on the whole armor of God. You have to walk through this life with your armor on. You have to be filled with the spirit of the living God. And you have to address your issues biblically with people. If you have an issue with somebody, what does Matthew 18 say? It says you go to them. You don't tell this one or that one or drop hints or pout. You don't have your spouse text somebody else to figure out what's going on. Just deal with it. If you're a Christian, you ought to be able to sit down and say, hey, this hurt my feelings. And then if the person you're telling that to is a Christian, they're going to make it right. This is spiritual maturity. Consider the needs of others. Listen to what it says. Verse 5, Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need an atmosphere of consideration first where we put the needs of others above our own. It needs to be an atmosphere of love. And love is not emotionalism. Love is service. Agape love is to serve somebody. Then an atmosphere of faith. The atmosphere has to be right. You have to have an atmosphere of faith where you believe God can do anything. That God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. It needs to be an atmosphere of scripture where the Bible is not only read, but it, it's preached, it's believed, and it's held to. An atmosphere of scripture, an atmosphere of hope, and an atmosphere of harmony. It goes on to say in verse 7, Accept one another. Then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So you've got to understand why Paul said that. It sounds very spiritual and New King James-ish there and, and all of that. But what he's saying is he's in the middle of a debate between Gentiles and Jews. And so Paul is saying Jesus Christ, a Jew, shunned by the Jews, would be crucified primarily by the Jews. Historically, spiritually, our sins crucified him, but historically the Jews crucified him, his own. And here's what he says. He says Jesus decided to serve them. That's how... He served them by going to the cross, by dying, and to redeem them. Not only them, it says, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So the way Jesus dealt with this sin issue, the way he dealt with this division, was he died, rose again, left the Holy Spirit to comfort us, but he decided to serve. And submission and sacrifice was his act of service. So he reigned above all, but he decided to make himself a lowly servant 
for the sake of harmony, hope, and healing. And we are unwilling as a church to serve others that look differently than us, that act differently than us, because we believe that they don't deserve another chance. The, the reality is we don't get to make that decision because the blood of Jesus already testifies to that. It goes on cleansing, the Bible says. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We've been bought with a price is what that means. And people are going to fail you, but I'm telling you, Jesus has called us to that ministry. You know, every year churches across our region, they invite marketing gurus you guys don't understand this and but they do they seek marketing assistance they look on the internet they buy programs they do all of these kinds of things to figure out how can we reach people on easter sunday we are the number one bi most bible-minded city in america chattanooga is and we are also the number one ch church city in america statistically google it the number one Bible-minded city in America and the, number, the most church city in America is right here. Here's the way I feel about that. We got a religious spirit and a legalistic spirit. Because if we're the number one most Bible-minded city in America and we have the most churches, then we ought to be in revival and we're not. We're divided. So we're really not reading the Bible. We just know how to whip people with it. And we're divided by race and denomination. And we need God to move. And so I really feel like the goal this year for us as a church at Ibis House is not just to get people here for Easter. It's to get people saved for eternity. It's to change the atmosphere to the degree that we're not just focusing on Easter Sunday every year. We're focusing on every Sunday. Where every Sunday's Easter Sunday. Where every Wednesday is Easter Sunday. Where every time we gather together as the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, it is important enough for us to invite our lost family members. It's important enough for us to invite our friends. We have to offer something different. And it starts with each and every person in this room, the core, those that love the midweek Bible study, those who are faithful, those who, are, those who give. Starts with you. Revival has to start with you. And it'll overflow in to the congregation. But we've got to get to a place where inviting and investing is just part of our culture. Yes, we'll still have special events. And yes, we'll have concerts and comedians. And we'll do all of those things to reach people. But the reality is, it's got to be a part of our atmosphere. And the expectation for a church service must increase. Our expectations have to rise. There's power in expectation. I want to give you nine components of expectation quickly. Number one, the root of expectation is desire. If you take notes, you can write these down. The root of expectation is desire. So whatever you want in your heart is what you're going to get. Whatever you believe you're worthy of, that's what you're going to have. You say, Pastor Ronnie, are you promoting an entitlement mentality? Absolutely, you're entitled because Jesus died for it. You still have to work for it? 
But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has more for you to do. But if you don't believe you're worthy of it, you'll never move towards it. The root of expectation is desire. The word seek is zateo in the Greek. And it means to burn for, require, desire. It means to give your life for. So when we talk about the root of expectation being desire, I'm telling you, your desires, uh, man, I'm telling you, they're like a flame that won't be put out. You can have the wrong kinds of desires that can lead you down the wrong road. But I'm telling you, if you desire the things of God and you desire to see people saved and you desire to be used by the kingdom and you desire to be a faithful person, you're going to start taking steps in that direction. But if you desire to be a drunk, you're going to be a drunk. If you desire to be a drug addict, you're going to be a drug addict. You desire to be poor and just get by, you're just going to get by. You desire to have more out of life, you're going to have more out of life. Not immediately, it's not a magic pill. But your first step is to get your desire, your heart, in the right place. You have to get your heart right. Jesus tells us how to do that. We've got to be forgiven and we've got to give it to Him. The root of expectation is desire. The focus of expectation, of our expectation for this conference and for our mission here at church is people. The focus of expectation is people. We want to see people saved, amen? We want to see people touched. We want to be free. We want to see lives changed. The Great Commission. The root of expectation is desire. The focus of expectation is people. People still matter. We need to reach them. We need to love them. We need to serve them. We need to make them feel welcome. Friends, I don't care how long you've been in your group, your service club, healing rooms, whatever it may be. If someone that's only been a member a year or two wants to come help, shut your legalism up and let them help. We need help around here. Forget your pecking order. We're a house of grace. Amen? We need to get people plugged in. Love people, disciple people, serve people. There's no 12-step program to being used by God. If there is, show it to me in the scriptures. We need to find places for people to be used. The time, number three, for expectation is now. The time for expectation is now. Paul would say, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. The time for expectation is now. You, if the root of expectation is desire and the focus of expectation is people, then at some point you've got to make a decision and with that decision comes movement and action. It's a verb. Amen? At some point you have to move on your desire. If you desire the wrong kinds of things, eventually your flesh is going to catch up with your desire. If you desire the right things, eventually your flesh is going to catch up with your desire. If you desire more of God, eventually your flesh is going to catch up with your desire. Your heart will lead you astray or it will lead you to Jesus. It's deceitful, but in the right atmosphere. Governed by the Holy Spirit, it becomes an immediate decision that requires action. The covering of our expectation is God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
The Father is the covering and the confidence to complete the task at hand. He is our Abba Father. He sent His Spirit into our hearts crying out, Abba Father. The Father is the covering, the confidence, the security to be who God's called you to be. The Son, Jesus, Yeshua is the finished product. The Son always finishes what the Father starts in the kingdom of God. Father, Abba, Son, Yeshua, Jesus, the finished product. The Son is the ability to finish. And the Holy Spirit is divine momentum. It's the Spirit of both the Father and the Son that propels you into your future. We serve a triune God, one in three and three in one. So you got to have them all. you got to have the covering of a Father, the finished work of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when your heart is governed by God, you'll start to see results. Somebody say amen. The covering of expectation is God. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 5 and 6, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. So you've got to have the proper covering. The root of expectation is desire. The focus of expectation is people. The time for expectation is now. The covering of our expectation is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The means of expectation is prayer. The means of expectation is prayer. I don't believe we pray enough. I don't believe I pray enough. We need to pray more. Prayer is not a competition as to who can do it the loudest and who can do it the longest. Prayer is intimacy with God. And we all need to have more of that. We need to pray. Three elements of prayer. First is intercession. When you intercede on someone's behalf, Jesus Christ does that for us. He makes intercession for us. Intercession is to plead the blood over someone else, to stand in the gap, to intercede, to be between both heaven and hell, Sinai and Sheol, lifting up the name that is above every name. Intercession, supplication has to do with supply and demand. It's the ask and the expect. I've taught you this. Supplication has to do with supply. You can't just ask for it. You have to expect it. That's expectation, what we're talking about. You ask for it, but you also expect it to happen. You have to train your mind to expect good things. Some of you, all you've ever had is bad news. You're used to bad news. You've received bad news. But when you ask God for something, you better expect that He can do it. If you don't, you're wasting your time. Expect God to move. Expect God to save your children, your grandchildren. Expect God to heal you. Expect God to move with fresh oil. Expect God to show up when you show up at church. Expect God to do something. Expect Him to bless your bank account. Expect Him to move. Expect Him to do something. I want to be around people that expect things out of God. Where it's not just stories in a book or a routine. I want to be around people who have faith, man. To move mountains. Faith to believe. The means of expectation is prayer. Intercession, supplication, and thanksgiving. 
Eventually, you've got to move from expectation into thanksgiving. Go ahead and praise God like He already did it. Worship Him like He already did it. Worship Him like you're already healed. Worship Him like you're already, your grandchild's already saved. Worship Him like you're already walking in the freedom that you've been desiring. Go ahead and thank Him in advance. Amen? The means of expectation is prayer and the emotion of expectation is joy. Miserable people can't have the proper expectation. You got to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus said, my joy will remain in you. Man, some of us better alert our faces that his joy remains in us, huh? If his joy is in us, we better tell our face. Because I'm telling you, if you've got the joy of Jesus on the inside of you, you ought not look miserable. You ought not act miserable. You ought to act like you've got the hidden key to everything that you need. Because you do, that's what joy is. Inward contentment despite of outward circumstances. Joy. The emotion of expectation is joy. When you expect God to do great things, there's joy in you. There's no dread, there's no worry, there's no anxiety, there's joy that it's going to be all right. Kelly and I, we uh, have been to Jamaica to do some missions, and we've also been there once on vacation, and they play a lot of Bob Marley, you know. Every little thing is going to be all right. I tell you, he, he worshiped some weird God, but he had some music that could be anointed in the Holy Ghost with a little, few little tweaks. But I'm telling you what, man, that's the way we ought to feel going into a situation. Listen, if you're filled with the Spirit and you love Jesus Christ and you are saved and you are searching and your desire, the desire of your hearts to be with Him, then don't worry about the interview. Don't worry about the difficult meeting you have ahead of you. If your heart's in the right place, God's going to take care of you. He's going to use it. So having that joy just shows that you trust Him with your circumstances, with your life. The emotion of expectation is joy. Number seven, the mindset of expectation is peace. And let the peace of God, Paul would say to the Colossian church, rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Shalom. The mindset of expectation is peace. So if the emotion of expectation is joy, then you've got to set your mind, as Paul said, not on earthly things, but upon heavenly things. So the root of expectation is desire. So your heart starts to lead the way. You speak faith, but you can also train your mind to go higher. See, I've learned that you can rise above any and every circumstance. I've learned over the years in my own Christian walk, my own study, I try not to get bogged down with drama. I do sometimes. It's part of the job, to be honest with you. But I try to rise above the circumstances. And get to where he is. You know what? Because I'll never be able to please you. And you'll never be able to please me. If we live down here. But if we go higher. With Jesus. We set our mind on. Things that are above us. The heavenlies. Then we won't get as offended. And 
nagged and annoyed over this stuff that really doesn't matter. How much time have we wasted in our lives worrying or arguing over things that really didn't matter? That we wouldn't even remember in five, ten years. Time is precious. It's a gift. We're not to waste it on disputable matters. That's what Paul says in Romans 14, just a chapter before our text. He says, listen, don't waste your time on disputable matters, on special days, on feast, on meat and wine. Don't waste your time. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Paul is pleading with these people, get over yourselves and come higher. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. You're looking at food and you're looking at days and you're looking at religion and you're offended over this and over that, over fleshly, emotional things. And I'm calling you higher. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. I'm calling you to a kingdom and you're wanting to stay down here and argue over petty things. God wants to take you higher. The mindset of expectation is peace. When we go higher, we have peace. So if you don't have peace, go higher. Get alone with God. Get into your Psalms 91 place. Get into your secret place with God and go higher with Him. And your troubles, while they won't go away, they'll get smaller. Because the higher you go, the smaller they get. See, you got to go higher. You got to go higher. The multiplication of expectation is the overflow. The multiplication of expectation is the overflow. Wow. Probably the preacher who speaks to me the most, my dad too, in this season. Dad kind of connected with him through me. And he's, my dad told me yesterday, he said, man, I tell you, Ron Carpenter Jr. is speaking to me more than anybody in this season. And I said, me too. I've never met anybody that once he spoke something into me, I saw immediate fruit from it. And I've met them all. I really have. I've been prayed for by many of them. And I don't say that braggadociously. I've just met them all. They're human beings. They're no, no better than you. They just have an anointing. But I've been prayed for, the, for by them all, but I've never had immediate fruit like I did when he spoke into my life. The multiplication of expectation is overflow. When you get your heart right and the root of your expectation, your desires is, is to be like Christ, your focus is, 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 has been adjusted towards the mission of Christ you, you've, you've made a move, and the expectation is now. You're deciding to move on what God has given you. You're under the right covering, the right church, under the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been praying. You've received joy. You've decided to take it a step higher in your walk. Then comes multiplication. That's when things start happening in the kingdom for you that you can't explain. The job you've always wanted, you all of a sudden have an opportunity to get it. You've been trying to finagle to get this job for years, but now that your focus is right, you have the righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, you've embraced the kingdom of God, you've decided to go higher, now all of a sudden they're calling you for the job. 
Now all of a sudden, you're, you're seeing multiplication. Your expectation has changed and things are beginning to be added to your life. And the only way you can explain it is God. Some of you are businessmen and women. You've seen this already. You've seen God do things for you that you didn't work for. Now, I'm not promoting laziness or entitlement. You're looking at a guy that's been working since he was 19 years old. Worked in corporate America. My wife works. She's been at the same company. How long? 20 years? We work. We believe in hard work. We believe in doing what you're supposed to do. We teach our kids to work. I'm not saying you're going to sit around in a mystical trance and God's going to just show up. If you follow these steps accordingly with me, you will see that the now expectation requires work on your part, movement on your part. It's not about sitting still. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. And once you've advanced the kingdom of God, you'll start to see overflow. And that's where we want to get to. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that in the house. 12 editions Sunday? Many awaiting baptism? I'm seeing people more and more that are different shades of brown than I am. It's what we want. And I'll be honest with you. Anyone that stands in the way of this vision God's given me, I feel sorry for you. Because it's not me, it's God you're messing with. Because I'm committed to seeing this thing through. And it's starting to happen, friend. Our suddenly has come. God is sending us people. Now, I can't say we're taking care of them as good as we need to be just yet. But we're getting better. And God's doing a new thing. And multiplication is starting to happen. Proverbs 3 says this, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. That's what multiplication is all about. It's favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. God will give you favor with man. Y'all don't even believe me. God will give you favor with man. You may hate your boss, but God will give you favor with your boss. God will give you favor with people that you don't even feel worthy to be around. God will do it. You just got to set your mind on the things above. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, what does it say, on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That old verse we've quoted since we were little still still rings true today. You put God in his rightful place. You get your desires right. You seek him. You take action in the now. You pray. You fast. You yearn. You desire. You trust. You expect. You thank in advance. And the power of God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will come into your life to the overflow. It goes on to say this, do not be wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I truly believe not in every disease or illness, but I believe in some mental illnesses and in some physical illnesses, a change of mind could make a world of difference. Now, I, I, when my pawpaw, last time I ever talked to my pawpaw before he died, my son Reed was, I think he was just two, he was just a baby. My, my pawpaw, uh, my mom's dad, was raised Pentecostal, old school Pentecostal. And uh, I had started preaching, I'd been preaching about three years. He lived a, a long life. He served our country. He'd been healed of uh, leukemia and uh, went into remission with that, got cancer, beat it. Then he ended up, cancer came back, got him. Last thing he ever said to me, um, I was holding little Reed. He was just a baby. We were passing through on our way to Florida. And he said, he said, Ronnie, you made me a promise. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't. He said, I'd never forget my mother was crippled in both legs and she went into this old church and he said they said if you had any faith you'd get up out of that wheelchair and he said my mother had more faith than anybody I ever met and she just cried and she hurt for weeks over what they said to her. and he said you make me a promise you'll never do that you'll never make people feel that way in the name of religion and I promise you I'll never be that guy God's bigger than me. He heals who he wants to heal. He does what he wants to do. It ain't got a fiddling thing to do with you or your spirituality. It's got everything to do with him. And that's who I am. I'm a Bible-believing, faith-believing Christian. I confess it. I expect it. I ask it. And I thank God in advance for it. But if he chooses not to do it, that's on him. Amen? I believe he's above me. I'm just a vessel and so are you. Not one more spiritual than the other. And I'm here to tell you tonight, multiplication will come to those who put God in his rightful place. Finally, the fuel of expectation, and I'll close here, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. We need it in our churches, we need it in our prayer lives. We need it in our groups. The roadmap to revival is unity, faith, prayer, and expectation. Unity, church being together, faith, believing what we can't see, believing for healing when we can't see it, believing for miracles, believing for salvation and signs and wonders, even though we may not see it in the natural. Expectation, which I've taught you tonight. Expectation. The fuel of that is the Holy Spirit. Say, Pastor Ronnie, what is the Holy Spirit? It's the missing jewel of the Trinity. Most churches talk about the Heavenly Father and they talk about Jesus, but they don't want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, you can't live this life without it. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled. It looks different for different people. Some religions think you've got to pray this way right when you get it. You've got to do this. You've got to run a lap. You, got, you know, the Holy Spirit will fill you up in, a, in different ways. Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. But, he, but you need to be filled to the overflow with the Holy Spirit of God. And once that happens, expectation will rise.
Amen. Stand up on your feet. We're going to do a little worship tonight. So what I want to do before we close is I want us to pray for the conference coming up. I want us to pray for our lost loved ones, our friends, those who are sick, those who are in chains. As Hebrews 13 tells us. I want you to set your expectation on the things above before we leave. So with nobody looking around, just, just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Ask for what you need. Expect him to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. Thank him in advance for working in your favor. And just love on Jesus a little bit. Just love on Jesus. Just love on him right where you are. Just say, Lord, I love you. I serve you. I worship you. I need you. I need you. Expectation. Raise your expectation. Raise it up. Expect more from God. Expect more from others. Set the standard. Raise it higher. Lift it up as a banner for the world to see. Uh, a mighty expectation brings forth a genuine manifestation. A mighty expectation brings forth a genuine manifestation. I believe it was Tozer that said that. So I believe if we have a mighty expectation, we're going to experience a genuine manifestation. So as you pray to God tonight before we leave, pray that revival would start in you. Pray that he would put somebody in your path this week that you can invite to church next week. You have every gimmick and every hook that there is to invite people. It's a conference, famous speakers that people might be interested in hearing. You've got every fleshly gimmick, but you don't need any of that. You just need the fuel of the Holy Spirit to fuel your expectation. Fuel your expectation. Father God, do what only you can do. Heal deliver, save, shift, move. Lord, bring unity. May the atmosphere be one of consideration where we consider the needs of others above our own. May the atmosphere be an atmosphere of love and acceptance. May people feel like they are at the Father's house when they walk on the campus. May their spirits sing and come alive like the prodigals did when his father came to him. Father God, may people come on this parking lot and in this atmosphere. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Lord, may their spirits come alive. May they feel redeemed and restored and loved. 
Lord, we need an atmosphere of faith and love and grace, consideration. Do it, Lord. The atmosphere must be right, Lord. Assign some prayer warriors, Lord, in this atmosphere now that will commit to praying consistently up until the conference and long after it's over. Oh, Father. Father, we pray for Bishop Bronner as he comes. Would you guide him and protect him? What a mighty man of God. Lord, protect him and bless him and give him strength. Lord, we pray for him. We pray for Jacob King, powerful Church of God pastor coming with his wife. Bless him. Father, we pray for Jensen, friend and mentor, Lord, that you'd be with him. Guide him. Lord, pray for my mother. Lord, we, we ask for her healing from where she fell this week. And Father God, we ask that she would bring a fresh word Tuesday that would shake heaven. Father God, we pray for my father that he would teach us what it is to be a quantum Christian. He would teach us the science behind this expectation Monday night. Father God, we pray for Pastor Donnie Brannon, Kingsport, Tennessee, Calvary Baptist Church. That you'd guide him, his family, be with them, that you'd shift something in them as they travel here. Father God, I ask for prayers for myself, for Jason Crabb. You'd be with us both. You'd give me the words. You'd give him the strength. Lord, he's on the road so much. Give him the strength to release and be in the flow when he gets here on Sunday. Father God, we pray for Dr. Todd Zeiger. That you'd be with him and his son Jay that's traveling with him, an act of restoration, Lord, that, you, that people would see what it is to believe for something, expect something, and thank God in advance. Lord, I pray that all of this would be tied together supernaturally. And Lord, we'd have a great multiplication like we've never seen before. Father God, I bless your people tonight. I bless them with favor, with grace, with wealth, with health. Lord, with the right mindset, with the supernatural ability to rise higher. Lord, teach us to look up. Because Lord, when we look up, our problems get smaller. When we go higher, they get smaller. Teach us to come away with you, Lord, in that secret place. We worship you, Father. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Just worship Him.